Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey, my friends, welcome back. Today, I have a really incredible incredible episode in store for you. For those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time, the goal of each episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast is to provide practical tools that you can apply immediately to find peace with food and your body. I started this podcast a decade after recovering from a long, long history of eating disorders as my way to give back and to help anyone and everyone wanting to uplevel their own health mentally, emotionally, and physically. Because the truth is, and what I've found from talking to so many individuals, is that most of us are really confused about food. And what breaks my heart is that we're not loving the body that we're in. So this podcast is for that. It's for changing the mindset around food and your body so that we can start living the life that we truly deserve. So when it comes to talking about dieting and body image, women, yes, are usually at the center of these conversations. Sometimes I get a little bit choked up saying this, but I feel like it's true because let's face it, women have for a very long time been the target for most media ads. But however, I think it's really important to point out that body image anxiety and dissatisfaction does not just impact women. It impacts thousands of men as well. I just don't think it's talked about as much. And in fact, it's not gender bias. So today I invited a really good friend of mine, Mordecai Wiener, to share his story. Mordecai is a health advocate, weight loss coach, founder of the Reverse Approach, but the journey to becoming the confident health entrepreneur that you're going to hear about today was anything but easy. So I'm not surprised that our journeys with food and body image were slightly different, but Mordecai and I came to the exact same conclusion about food and body freedom, that diets just don't work. So today, if you're struggling with your diet, if you're thinking about going on another diet, if you're just wondering why have I been on so many diets this year? This podcast is for you. You're going to learn why, and you're going to learn what to do instead. This podcast is crazy powerful. So get ready, my friends. I know you're going to love this episode. So grab a piece of paper, a pen, a journal, cup of tea, whatever lights you up, and let's dive right in. Welcome, Mordecai, to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm honored, honored, honored for you to be on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. I have been wanting to share your story on this platform for quite a while now because we've been recording videos and sharing our stories together. And whenever we do, it's just profound conversation and people get really excited and they really, really love hearing about your journey and where you came from and so forth. 
So I wanted to start with that in case people don't know your story yet and they don't know how at 10 years old you were going to Weight Watchers with your mom and you overcome really this up and down yo-yo dieting challenge for many, many years. I'd love for you to take us back to that when you were 10 years old, going to Weight Watchers, having this experience of really dieting at such a young age and where that took you and how you've overcome this (laughs) hurdle, right? Of dieting, because it's very clear diets don't work. We both know that, but a lot of times people keep telling themselves they do over and over again. So yeah, so if you don't mind, let's start there. Yeah, let's start there. All right. Back when I was 10 years old, I'm trying to envision that. 10 years old going to Weight Watchers. So back in Detroit, they have these, so a lot of Weight Watchers, they're in front of storefronts. Like you go to a strip mall and you go to Weight Watchers. I remember just like pulling up in the van with my mom. We had like a 12 passenger van, blue van. We pull up me and her and we go into Weight Watcher meetings. And I remember just sitting in a meeting and just feeling completely like I didn't belong there. And the whole vibe of the meeting was just so much about your weight. It's like, who lost one pound this week? And a whole bunch of people to raise their hands. Who lost two pounds and how much they raised their hand? I remember just looking around me thinking to myself, something's wrong. And I didn't know what it was. And it was very painful to be going to Weight Watchers 10, 11 years old. All my friends were out playing, playing ball after school or on Sundays. And Weight Watchers worked for a little while. You know, I mean, I would count our points and we'd eat certain foods and, you know, do the things that we were supposed to. Until we didn't. That was the thing about all diets that I learned later on. But from a very young age, I was trying these diets out and losing some initial weight. And then always ended up gaining it back. Because looking back, I understand why now. Because when you're on a diet, you're always using discipline and willpower. And when I was using discipline and willpower to get through things, it's no fun, right? So anyways, back to when I was younger. So I would go on these extreme diets. Eventually, it was the Atkins diet, the South Beach diet. I love the Atkins diet because the Atkins diet, you can eat as much meat as you want. I love meat. My parents sent me to like a boarding school outside Detroit when I was like 13 years old. And that was the first time I spent time out of the house. And I felt like I had a new start and a fresh beginning. And I brought all this meat with me to school. And the George Foreman and I, I remember starting to grill up meat, like hot dogs for breakfast, hamburgers for lunch, and like chicken or meat for dinner. And I did that for like three or four months and dropped like 50, 60 pounds. And I felt amazing because even on Weight Watchers, I was not successful. Mm-hmm. And eventually, actually, all the kids in school also started going because they thought it was a fun activity. We're all going to grill and meet together. And eventually, everyone was losing weight. But again, like any other diet, as soon as I incorporated carbs back into my day-to-day routine, the weight just started to, to come back on. And at first, it's only a few pounds. You're like, oh, it's no big deal. I lost 60. So who cares? I gained back five. And it's like, you kind of like you're irking away at your savings, kind of like, like oh, who cares? That's 20 pounds. I still lost 30. And you still, you feel like, that, you feel like that's kind of, and then it's like clothing's not fitting. You're not feeling great. So you have to go back on a diet and you're like, either I'll go back on the Atkins or I'll try another one. And usually there's somebody who's found a new fad. Like there's always a kid or that kid that I would meet that like, oh, you know what? I'm on the cabbage soup diet. And I was like, what? Cabbage soup diet? I hate cabbage soup, but I love to lose weight. And I remember thinking, should I start eating cabbage soup? My this guy's on the cabbage soup diet. He looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I would hear about all these different diets from other people in the community that were also struggling with their weight. And would try them all just because it was so painful for me to be with myself in the body that I was in because I felt different than everybody. I was like, why is everyone else in great shape? And I'm just 50 or 100 pounds overweight and I'm not even 14 or 15 years old yet. And like shopping for clothing was depressing. And I also had a hard time um, in school. I was getting bullied a lot. So for me, it was like in my child's mind, like if I lose weight, that means I'll be accepted. I'll be liked. I'll be one of the cool kids. Like I remember thinking to myself, I want to be included. And I thought my weight was a barrier to that. 
And then how long did this go on? This like yo-yo dieting up and down? Yeah, so it went on for years until I was about 24, 25 years old. So I was going for about, so from when I was 10 till I was about 25, I would say, so 15 years of yo-yo dieting. I have a lot of willpower and discipline. That's one thing I don't lack. And I lack plenty of things. <laughs> I have a lot of willpower and discipline. But yeah, I was able to muscle through lots of diets. And then when I was 25, and I was running my company, things were going really well for me. And I was so busy with work. The responsibility for a 25 year old that I had at that point was just was a lot. Over 100 employees running a big company, didn't really know what I was doing. Things were quite messy, and I'm struggling with 130, 140 pounds extra, and I'm just completely stressed out, eating late nights. And I had this moment where I was just like, this has got to stop. You know, one morning I just woke up and I was just heavier than ever. Over 330 pounds, it's like, this is not, this is not, it's not going to end well. And I had no good frame of reference at that point of what people do in this situation. My mom had gotten gastro bypass surgery about 10 years or maybe eight years before that. And she was like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should think about the surgery. I'm like, hell no, I'm not doing surgery. That's crazy. I'm 25 years old. There's no way, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to figure this out. And she was just looking out for me, like being a good mom. Mm -hmm. She just wanted me to be happy. And I decided not to. And, you know, a friend actually told me about the HCG diet. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. And so I bought the spray and I'm sitting in my desk there. I'm like, this is freaking weird. I am not going to spray this shit in my mouth. <laughs> this just sounds like I've done all diets. It just sounds crazy. Like, no <laughs> like taking pregnancy hormones. <laughs> I had a friend who was trying it at the time and told me how well it was working and seeing other people lose weight on it. Yeah. It was very enticing. But, you know, right. I sat here in my drawer for months. I didn't do it and yeah. no surgery. And then I had this moment where I was like, this is not going to end well. I need to do something real about this. And that's when I had the moment of clarity where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why don't I ever meet mm -hmm. anybody who's lost weight and kept it off? I'm always mm -hmm. taking advice from people who are mm -hmm. on a diet. It didn't add up. And I realized that if I was going to be smarter, I should find people who lost weight and kept it off. Mm -hmm. And ironically enough, a friend gave me this book called Gabriel Method, which was the first time I saw somebody else who had lost weight and kept it off. And it's reading John Gabriel's story mm -hmm. really moved me. And it created a new possibility for me because I saw John, who was a 440 pound man, successful Wall Street guy. And he had a wake up moment as well. And I think it's late 30s, early 40s. And he changed his life and he writes verbatim how he did it. Mm -hmm. all the stuff that I thought was woo-woo. Like it's all the visualization and the mantras and the pictures and your mindset and all the things that I just thought were crazy. But I'm like, hold on one second. He's a successful businessman. Like he must know something. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my benchmark at the time of like, well, <laughs> you know, if you know something, if you're a successful businessman. Yeah. And I listened to what he did and, you know, I'd go to bed at night listening to his visualizations. And that was the beginning of my diet-free lifestyle. And yeah, that's quite a rampage for you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's amazing. And I laugh about the HCG because I just remember myself becoming this very angry person <laughs> on that diet. So it's like, <laughs> to me, it's very comical at this moment. I remember even when the baby food diet came out, looking back on that, I'm like, we're adults. We shouldn't be eating baby food around the clock 24 hours a day. It's these like not sustainable lifestyle or diets that then aren't lifestyle choices. They're short term. I don't remember what the HCG, the amount of time was, but it's, you're doing it for maybe two weeks or a month or so forth. Like these aren't sustainable things, right? And so that's why I was laughing. So I wasn't laughing. Yeah, I was so, like, no, I was so, like so remembering a reference point in my mind of just being like, I remember how angry and like miserable I was during that time. And I don't even think I made it more than a few days. 
So going through this process, going on his protocol, and I know his work well, and it's really, really powerful because it does allow you to visualize your life in a different space. What did you uncover, right? What was the process for you that really made that shift? What did you recognize in that process that was like, okay, wow, this is what needs to be healed or this emotion or this pain point or this place of suffering in myself? What was that for you that really created the shift? That's a great question, Sarah. So the first thing I learned from John's work was the power of our minds, right? So, you know, this entire time I thought something was wrong with my body, the way I was mm-hmm. eating food and I, something was wrong with me from a more physical standpoint. And really, it was a mental standpoint, right? It was my emotions and thoughts and beliefs about myself. And really, if, you, if I boil it down to it, reading someone's book and having a positive frame of reference just created a new possibility. It was a possibility that a world exists where I don't need to struggle with my weight. And to me, it was so foreign because everyone I would meet was always still struggling. No matter if they lost 50 or 100, 200 pounds, they were still struggling. So to me, it never made, I always thought that was going to be my reality. But what John's work helped me uncover was that a lot of this has to do with my mind and emotion. So for one, visualizing and meditating were new things for me. And they helped me see myself in a new way. They helped me, one, feel my emotions. Up until then, I was always using food just to numb my emotions. And creating a new possibility by what I can actually feel like, look like, and not live on, not live on a strict diet was just very freeing in itself. Well, one of the first things I did, I remember John's book talks about, print a picture of your future self and just look at it. And looking back now, how it's so simple, but yet so profound, and it seems so ridiculous at the same time. It's like, you print a picture of somebody else, you put your head on the body, it's like, it's physical, you're focusing on the body, but really, it's much more than that. You're focusing on your belief system. So I was focusing on my belief system and what's really possible by seeing my head on someone's body in good shape. I was actually seeing myself in a good form that I was proud of. And it's less about reaching that form of physical beauty than it is about just recognizing that's possible for you and creating this new opening in your mind. Mm -hmm. Right. I think also, I don't know if you found this, but when I was dieting quite a bit, there was almost comfort in the discomfort. It was like when we walked around with and had these conversations with other people, and I remember just sitting down at a table with friends and everyone's complaining, right? Like this diet didn't work and this diet didn't work. It's like you're almost comforted in the discomfort of everyone else struggling because you're struggling as well. And the moment that you offer this new possibility that life can be different and you take that journey it shifts everything. It even shifts your community and your friendships. And that was my truth. And I'm curious if that was for you as well. Yeah, it's funny being up because I was thinking about the last day or two because I was writing a, writing a post about it. This idea that when you're overweight, the scariest thing subconsciously to do is to lose weight because you feel like you're going to lose your identity. Because mm-hmm. for me, I was a big funny guy. You know, I was like the entertainer. I was one would come to me for comfort. And it was like, that was my identity was wrapped up in that. And I was scared to lose it. Like, what are my friends going to think of me? I won't be funny anymore. Maybe I won't have my sense of humor. What's going to change? And who's going to change around me? And I think that belief was really deep-seated in me. And it was probably the scariest thing because we all, as a human, we need to feel connected to others. And our communities are so important to us that it's quite frightening. And mm-hmm. I think what I learned through the process was as you grow... Right, like you said, when everyone's sitting around complaining and bitching about our diets aren't working, essentially what's happening is we're all just reinforcing each other's negative beliefs or limiting beliefs about each other. And we mm-hmm. feel better because we're just like eating unhealthy food together. It's like, oh, I don't feel so bad eating a piece of pizza now or egg roll because we're all doing it and we're all saying diet doesn't work and it's not our fault. So now we take no responsibility for our lives and we feel that it's okay to be like this. 
And I think once you make a decision and a commitment that it's not okay anymore, you start developing other friendships that actually support you and what you need because it's very challenging. It's an uphill battle to actually do this with people around you who are very close to you do not support what we're doing because, you know, like the famous saying, right? We're like the five people we spend most time with, the biggest mm-hmm. influence in our lives. And I think that's really important to pay attention to. And you don't necessarily be scared of, but just it's empowering to lean into that and be like, all right, who are the five people that I want to be like? Mm-hmm. Who are the five people that I want to influence and influence me? Like it's a choice. You doesn't have to just be a byproduct of your existence. Yeah. And I think a really powerful mindset shift operate from is I'm not going to lose my identity. I'm actually becoming a better version of myself. And so I'll still be that funny person. I'm still going to have everything internal that I had before, but it's going to be up-leveled. It's going to be this new empowered person. And I'm actually going to inspire people from this place. And I was just thinking back to my birthday dinner that you were at and like Max Lugavere is there, Drew Pruitt, like a lot of our friends who are in the wellness community And it was just like a moment for me that I was like, wow, all my friends are eating clean food and we're having this birthday dinner. We're enjoying, there's no like pressure to eat something or not eat something. And no one felt challenged. You know, it was just this beautiful experience where we all came together around food. And it was a moment for me that I was like, wow, I have such a beautiful group of humans around me and you were there and we're all sharing in the experience of food versus complaining about it. And we're all feeling grateful yeah. for the experience versus the struggle of it, right? Of like, oh, now, now because I had this birthday dinner, I'm going back on a diet on Monday morning. Like no one was having that conversation. We were just like, the food's amazing. It's clean. It's healthy. It's great. Like it still tastes great. So I was just like, I had that flashback. So I thought they, also, I would... not, they also picked a great place and curated a great group of friends. So that has to definitely, that's, a, <laughs> so that's proof in the pudding, right? That's yeah. supposed to show you that like your life does, you become a better person, mm-hmm. your surroundings stay elevated with you. Now, looking back, I'm able to influence the people who are struggling with me. You know, I've overcome this and I can help them. My siblings, my family members, friends. It's like once you make a little bit of headway, it's not like you're cutting people off, but you're going to be able to support them and serve them in a much better way than just eating with them and making each other feel good in the moment. I think that's really powerful to lean into. Yeah, I was wondering, I was going to ask you that about resistance. Has your family or any other friends had resistance or pushback to what you were doing? Or have they felt supported in the process? And how are you supporting them from a loving place of understanding? Yes, that's a great question. It's a lot about meeting them where they're at. Mm-hmm. A lot about meeting my siblings and friends and meeting people where they're at. And it's like, you know, just because I feel like I've lost 130 pounds and I eat in a certain way and I have a pretty regimented way that I like to eat, which supports mm-hmm. me. I don't expect anybody else to adapt that lifestyle, right? But I do know that they can start somewhere. And I remember what it was like for me seven, eight years ago when I was getting started. And so I'm able to just meet them where they're at by using some of the things. But honestly, John Gabriel's book is one of the things that I like to recommend. I like to recommend people. And I can't wait to recommend your book. I don't know if that's if that's secret or not public information yet. Yeah, it's really fun to just be able to help people where they're at and let them, let them rise to the occasion, right? When they feel like they have the confidence, they usually yeah. ask for more, more support and more advice. And I'm just there ready to, ready to give it to them. That's something that I really enjoy doing. You know? Yeah, so it's almost like offering them the support and then detaching from the outcome. So if you're listening to this and you have people in your life that are potentially struggling and you want to help them, there's almost this unique energy, which I've felt with my family and my father and so forth, which is like, 
offering them support, giving them the resources and then almost detaching and letting them be where they are. And if they open it and have this experience where they're wanting to embody whatever you're teaching and so forth, they'll come forward to you, but at least giving them the information and letting them if they want. I always send people podcasts or blog posts. And if they're willing, they're going to open it and read it. If they're at their pain point and they're struggling enough and they want change, people will be open to it. And if not, I think sending them love and compassion and understanding is really all we can do, right? So Sure. And it's, I mean, if we choose to hit rock bottom or hit a place where we were like, oh, it's time for us to, like you said, it's time mm-hmm. for us to do something. Like you really need to want this change in order to actually, in order to actually make the change. So mm-hmm. if someone's not ready, they're just not ready. It's like not right. like a judgment. It's more about being willing to have the conversations when they present themselves. Right, right. It's really a beautiful way to say it. I wanted to dive into your story about going to Costa Rica and really embodying self-love and how that looked for you and this experience in the middle of the jungles. <laughs> Can you tell that story? Because I love that story so much. It is actually in my book. I put it in my book. I have wow. to send you the waiver wow, to sign off on it, but I wanted you to share it here so people can hear it. That's amazing. Wow. So three years ago, I was on this, this year-long travel wanderlust, and my first stop was Costa Rica. And I went to the jungle in Costa Rica for three weeks on this retreat. It was like a transformational retreat of sorts. And we camped out for three weeks. And everyone on the retreat was going through a workshop around storytelling and what you think your purpose is and why you're here and what you're doing. And so I remember, I saw this, there was this woman, Heather Box, who's a fascinating woman who was leading the retreat. And I were talking to her one night, telling her, just, we weren't even talking about the workshop, but we were just talking about I was telling her how on the retreat, it was very challenging for me because it's like 100 degrees in the jungle mm-hmm. and I'm not comfortable taking my shirt off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all these beautiful women here and it's just like, it's very intimidating. And I was just going through my entire mental process. And I was explaining to her, she's like, oh, come on, try and take it off a little bit. No one really cares. It's 100 degrees. You look fine. Stop it. Like with this whole body stuff. And she kind of like talked me through what was really going on. She's like, listen, do me a favor. Tomorrow, just by the pool, instead of just not taking it off, Take it off for a few, few minutes and see what happens. See how you feel. Because at that point, I was having a hard time taking my shirt off in public, like lots of people do, right? And I was explaining to her how my strategy in these situations was I kind of blend in, just hang out in the hammocks, read a book, as if nobody would notice. But I realized after doing that for a few days, it was causing me like a discomfort. It was causing me this level of like disconnect from other people. And I tried the next day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And I tried to my shirt off again. And I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of feels quite good. Not only was it like 100 degrees, it felt great not to have a shirt on. It didn't really bother me as much as I thought it would. And at the end, so two days later, I had a turn to share my message in front of the group. And I gave this talk about some of my accomplishments and how good I felt with some of the things I was able to accomplish in life and how proud I was, but I still was missing some one fundamental piece that all the things I've accomplished were felt like for other people. You know, I had this company that I just exited and I lost over a hundred pounds and I felt really great and proud about those things. But I still was missing this self-love, like love for myself and appreciation for what I did. It was more like I felt like I was doing these things for other people. And to put a bow on it, at the end of the talk, I just took my shirt off in front of 40 people. And it felt amazing. I felt for the first time, like I just peeled a layer off my skin, something that I've been like protecting myself. And what that did was it set a sign to like my deeper self that everything's okay and that you're fine the way you are. And that there's no need to hide anymore. And that was like the first uh, one big leap into self-love and self-acceptance. And that was like the beginning of a whole new journey of after some other milestones, right? So 
traveling with that kickoff, that was the first month I was on the road or the second month I was on the road. It felt really good because that led into a lot of acts of self-love over the course of the next year. And just like really feeling really good in my body as opposed to finding all the flaws and things that are not good enough, where I'm not good enough as opposed to just being okay with where I'm at. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also gonna get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I think it's something to remember, especially when relating to other people, like they can have the business and the relationships and from the outside, it can look like everything is together and yet they can still be having this insecurity and this pain and the struggle around self-love or self-worth or self-esteem, even though their life, like your life, you had just exited, you're traveling around the world, you're financially stable, you're going to Costa Rica, like things can look great, but that doesn't mean that there's not this internal battle and you really have to sometimes just push through it and take that leap of faith and that courage because then it changes. I believe it changes the neural networks in our brain and begins to change a different loop and begins to really allow us to confront the part of ourselves that we've been suppressing for so long. And then when you came home, what was the thing that you implemented that helped other people start to feel the same? Yes. Yeah. So after, when I got back, I wanted to share my methods that are things that I learned with other people. And people were always asking me, how did you lose weight? And I'm always thinking to myself, it's not about how I lost the weight. It's about how long I'm, I've been keeping it off for. Because most right. people lose weight, gain it back. I mean, studies show us over 90% of people who lose weight, gain it back, lose weight on a diet, gain it back. And it's just, to me, that was like my correction. But I'm like, no, it's not, you guys are missing the point. It's about how long. It's been like six years. Like I'm, that's what I'm really proud of. It's not like that was 100 or 110 or 120. It's a matter of how long. So people wanted to know what I was doing. And I wasn't really in a position to coach anybody. But I decided, you know what? I'll coach people as long as they do what they say they're going to do. Because I don't mind helping people and supporting people. I think it just bothers me a lot when people ask for help and support and they just don't, they don't follow through. The follow through mm-hmm. is terrible. So I decided that next time someone asks me, the next time someone asks me to help them, I'm going to be like, no problem. But as long as you do what you say you're going to do, not what I say you're going to do, as long as you do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that was at the beginning of my coaching. And there was this woman, Leah, and she wanted me to coach her. And um, she was like so proud of my sister. And she's friends with my sister. My sister lost a bunch of weight because so I helped her and coached her on that. This woman, Leah, was like, I want to coach. I'm like, okay, no problem. I don't, you don't need to pay me. But what you need to do is you need to send me checks for, let's figure out what number, mm-hmm. whatever number is going to make you think twice. You send me the checks. And if you don't keep what you say you're going to do, your agreement, then you're going to, I'm going to cash one of your checks. That's simple. So like the energy exchange, right? When they don't do it, they actually have to pay. Exactly. If they don't do the same they're going to do, they have to pay. And it was that simple. I'm like, listen, coaching is worth a lot more than the money. But for me, it was just about keeping them accountable. And I wanted to see if this mm-hmm. even worked. And it was fascinating. Like, you know, yeah. people, she, you know, Leah messed up me a couple of times. And um, today she's lost over 40 pounds and she can't stop talking about how free she feels and how amazing she feels. Mm-hmm. And it's a few years later. And it feels so rewarding to have been part of that journey and to be able oh, to wow. support her along the way. 
And yeah, a few checks that I cashed obviously weren't, weren't paying for much, but it was more about the fact that she now had the confidence that she can do it. She now mm-hmm. had the confidence that she can actually lose weight and keep mm-hmm. it off and feel good about her body and proud of her decisions and not feel restricted. Like she's never on a program of like, you know, like a diet counting calories mm-hmm. or anything like mm-hmm. that. And she was deciding along the way what she wants, what makes her feel good and what doesn't make her feel good. Mm-hmm. But now she had her ass in the line. When someone has their hand in the fire, they're going to be much more likely to keep their word. And yeah. I did that for about a dozen people. And I just, I learned a lot of, over, I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so profound that you are co-creating the plan with them. I think that's another thing that is so different than most coaching. And I know now you're actually private coaching people, which I think is incredible. But I think this idea where someone hands you a protocol and you have to follow it, that's another reason why it doesn't work, right? Because you're not the one who's actually designing it with your coach. And I think it's great to have a coach. Like we both coach people, but both of us help people in that process of designing works for them. And then holding them accountable. So and, and, we, and we both have coaches. Right. <laughs> the same coach. We both exactly. Exactly. We both have the same coach. So it's like, there's never enough learning. I know I figured two things out. It's not like the answer. We just mm-hmm. are helping people discover what we learned for ourselves. And there's still more that me and you are still discovering. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like there's always somebody who can benefit from anybody's knowledge. And it's fun mm-hmm. to be able to share that. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm thinking of all these different stories I want to share with everyone. I'm like, I know you only have an hour. Let's talk about the biking around Venice without your shirts. Because I think people are like, what if I want to inspire people and do something right. and create something yeah. that helps direct other people in this direction? So let's talk about that. Because I hear from a lot of people now in LA that like you've become this whole process of riding your bike around without a shirt is like become a thing in Venice. Wow. I love <laughs> so, that. you know, I'm like, oh, I rode with Mordecai yesterday down Venice without my shirt on. So let's talk about that. Because was that after Costa Rica where you came back? Yeah, that was a couple of years later. And it's like, it felt so freeing and good in Costa Rica that when I, and then when I was traveling, when I got back to like modern civilization, it's like, all right, I know I'm not the only one who struggles. And especially I know I'm not the only guy who struggles with, you know, mm-hmm. body image and shirt and just like takes, I don't know the exact statistics, but it takes many years longer for your brain to catch up with the way you look than mm-hmm. your body. So you can lose 50 or 100, 200 pounds, but your brain still sees you as your old self. Even today, I would get, catch myself looking in the mirror. I'm like, huh, me? Wow, good job. It's a constant thing. And for me, like taking my shirt off and starting this thing called shirtless therapy, where we would go up and down the beach and just ride our bikes and just feel free. And it's very empowering and loving for, I felt for myself. And going through the practice of riding up and down, just saying hi to people, good morning, high-fiving strangers and getting other people involved in it was just a lot of fun. And doing that with other guys who also struggle with taking their shirts off became this fun activity that I love to do. And it became one of my funnest things. And it's like, the more I did it, the more I accepted myself. The more I accepted myself, the more free I felt. And it was part of like this act of self-love and a lot of the things that you teach in your work is, it only works when you do it for the right reasons, right? Right. If you're losing weight for somebody else or an occasion, weight's never going to stay. I'm very unlikely going to stay off because you're not doing it for the right reasons and you're constantly in pain. And like these acts of self-love really connect you to yourself and like taking the time to do it for yourself because it's not easy. It takes a lot of work and not only discipline, it takes commitment. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing it for the right reasons, it's easy to stay committed. It's mm-hmm. committed. And we do it for the wrong reasons, it's quite hard. And that's why you have bad days and good days and you're on a diet and you're off a diet and you're starting tomorrow and you start next week. It's like, that's when you know that motivation probably isn't clear yet. And I think that's really a big opportunity for people who are at the beginning of the journey who are listening to this is, you know, think about why you want this in the first place. 
what's the underlying reason? And when you figure that out, boom, you're in business. Such a good point. Have you seen the, I don't know, I don't own a TV, but I've seen the advertisements pop up online for Khloe Kardashian's show called Revenge. Have you seen this? Where people, no. where she helps people get in shape so that they can get revenge on their ex who dumped them. Whoa. And it's such a good point with what you're making. It's like, if you're doing it for someone else, and I was like almost cringing when I saw this ad, because I'm like, guys, if you're listening, if you're doing this, if you're wanting to lose weight, if you're wanting to change the physical body that you have for someone else, it's not sustainable. And it's not real love. It's not real self-love. And it's not real love between you and your partner. And so... I absolutely love that you said that because it's so, so true. And I think that the more that we keep coming back to ourselves and saying, where is that pain coming from? Where is that pain coming from? Where is that pain coming from? And identifying that the pain of the revenge or doing it for someone else or doing it for the reunion or the wedding or whatever is coming up is never, ever sustainable. And it only sticks. Yeah. It will never stick. And that's what I realized when I was 25. I'm like, I'm going to do this for me because I deserve it. And that moment was like the moment where I realized the difference between going, here's the thing, when you do it for yourself, and when I was able to tap into that, when I was doing it for myself, there was no rush anymore. You see, when you're doing it for a vacation or a partner or something else or to fit into certain size clothing, there's a rush to get there because there's this urgency society that we live in. Everything we need right away. Everything is about instant gratification. But when you're doing something for yourself, you don't mind doing it in a slow, organized way because you know it's going to take time. But you know that you and you know you plan to be around for a while and you don't mind just doing this thing for yourself, right? So it's, I think it's really important for people to really get clear on that because it's, the clearer you can get on that, the, the more patient you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And if there's one, I don't want to call it a trick, but if there's one piece that really helps, it's patience, right? Patience. Because anything good isn't built overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes time. I mean, I've been doing this work. I mean, I've been doing self-development work since I was very, very young. I know you've been doing it for years and we're still working with coaches. As we said before, we have share a coach that we love and every week, an hour and a half, and I have several others. And so even if you don't have access to that, or there was a time when I, my self-development work was listening to podcasts, taking free online courses, reading books, You know, I think this idea that, oh, well, I don't have access, it's too expensive, that can't be a truth anymore because there is so much free information online and you can buy books online on Kindle for $1.99 and a lot of free content. I have tons of free content. There's so many beautiful podcasts, so much information online that you could literally be studying around the clock and never get to all of it. So just from our perspective, we're still learning, we're still growing and having a coach and having someone there to support you is, I think, part of the accountability piece. It's part of the piece of like, when I fall, really feel disconnected from myself, I have someone there to support me in finding that space again. And we should be able to find it within ourselves, but we don't live in a bubble. We live in an environment, things happen, things change, our lives change. And oftentimes we need that support. So I'm really, really happy that you're also coaching people and taking people on and supporting them in this process. The last thing I really wanted to ask you is about what happened when you were like, okay, I have 30 more pounds to lose. 
I'm wondering what that number, why that number and what happened in that process to get you to start thinking outside of the box. And if you can walk people through kind of, this was the last year, right? Where you were like, I'm ready to take my health just to that next level. Cause I think people get close, but then they plateau or they get stuck where they are or they're like, this is as good as it's going to get. And I know for you, it was like, this isn't, I'm taking myself to the next level. So what happened during that process? So you could say, okay, I'm ready to go to the next level of my highest, happiest well-being. I love that you asked that because for the longest time, I just felt so good and complacent that I lost weight and kept it off. Because for me, you know, I was like, wow, it's been like five years and I still kept off this 100 pounds. Life is good. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking to myself that it was good, but there was always this part of me like, do better. Like, you know, that like I wasn't anorexic by any stretch of the imagination. I know I can still lose some weight. It wasn't more about, it wasn't like I was chasing a physical look per se. Mm-hmm. It was more that I was just like, I knew I can do better. And I was kind of like selling myself short and just finding satisfaction in the fact that I was maintaining my weight, which I knew mm-hmm. was the hardest thing to do. You know, it was two years ago, I was talking to my best friend and telling him about, our, we were discussing our new year resolutions. And I was saying like, I'm, no, I can probably lose like another 30, 40 pounds. I just pulling the number out of a hat. It wasn't like a number I was attached to, but I'm like, I can probably, I feel like this is a healthy number I can probably lose. And but for some reason, like I eat really healthy. I work out. I have a great routine. All these great habits. My lifestyle is awesome. I'm not losing the weight. He's like, well, why don't you bet me something that you're going to lose the weight? And if you don't, you lose a bet. And that way now you're like, you have me on the line. And we, were, we discussed it for a minute. I remember we were hiking in the countryside of Cuba and I was like, bet me a Bitcoin. <laughs> and at that point, Bitcoin was like a $20,000. Yeah. Now I'd be like... Now it'd be a little easier to stomach, right? It's still about seven or $8,000. But um, last time I checked anyways. But I remember thinking to myself, like, am I really going to do this? Mm. Am I really going to bet him? Like, it's a big leap. I don't know if I can... I don't know if my body wants to lose the weight. And, mm-hmm. you know, the deal wasn't like going on extreme diets because I knew that wasn't going to be good for me. So I was like, no extreme diets, none of this. And I remember thinking to myself, he's like, 30 pounds would have brought me to 205. And like, I could probably do like 199. I just wanted to see what that was like. I'm like, you know, I still felt like my body can lose like, you know, another 35 pounds or so. I made the bet and I immediately noticed my thoughts change immediately afterwards. Like we were going to get dinner at a place in Cuba. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I don't need to plantain chips. Let me just get like the salad and fish and like some other vegetables. I'm like, I don't need like fried Cuban dish with guacamole and everything. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, do I really want that? Or am I just doing it because I'm indulging I'm on vacation? You know, it's always that. And right away, my thoughts started shifting. And, you know, when I got back um, to California, I, you know, I saw a doctor and I started doing all this work and started checking my blood to see what foods were really my body really wanted and really just dialing in a mm-hmm. level deeper. And a year later, I weighed 197 pounds and I was still, I felt amazing. I put on more muscle in my body than I ever had. And I was like, I didn't diet at all. I just kind of fine tuned my own psyche, my own well-being by getting clearer on what to eat and what to do and so on. So I think the something, having an accountability like that really helps. So having somebody who's going to hold you accountable and doing the thing that you say you're going to do is really powerful. When there's a cost associated with it, it really hurts, especially when it's money. People underestimate that. There's actually a whole website called Sticks, and it's about you can actually bet money that if you bet with your friends that you do what you say you're going to do. If not, the money goes to a charity, a pre-determined charity, credit cards ready, and I think it's a few mm. Harvard graduates or Yale graduates that built it. And it's helped people quit all types of bad habits and change mm. behaviors. And I think sometimes this can be a great way to enhance, kickstart like behavior change. Like I don't think like it's like a long-term healthy you don't want to have wagers over your mind, like, you know, living like that always. But I think it's a good way to kickstart something and to get something, get something going. 
Yeah. What I love about your story with the 30 pounds is that it wasn't about the 30 pounds. It was about knowing that you had this health that was just over the ridge, right? It was like just over this next hump and over the, but it took work. And I remember us having the conversation and you said, well, what have you done that really works? And I said, hypnosis. And you said, okay, I'm going to try it. And it was like all of these things, again, that just as with the Gabriel method that you didn't even know were this possibility were opening up to you, whether it was hypnosis or the blood work or doing work with doctors that looking at what food sensitivities you had and looking at different modalities for body healing and so forth. And I just sent you a guy the other, I don't know if you've done it yet, but I, the other day I sent you a body worker. I'm like, you have to try this guy. Yeah, um, I spoke to him. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like all these different possibilities open up when we don't settle. When we say, I'm no longer going to live this way. I'm no longer going to live mediocre. I want my health to be top notch. And again, it's going back to prevention, right? It's like the healthier we become, the greater chance of prevention, the greater chance of living a longer life, the greater chance of getting to fulfill your mission, your purpose, all the things that you want to do on this planet for as long as possible. And so I love that. I think it's so great that you took that leap. And I'm so happy that you're feeling the best ever. Thanks. And for anybody listening, it's never too late. Like there's no age that's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's too late for me to get started. Now I've spent too many years. I've tried too many times. It's like people at all ages find it in them to change. And you know what? The first thing to realize, it's not your fault. Like we're in a society which you're constantly being marketed unhealthy foods, cheap foods that are not foods, but food-like products, right? And you're constantly marketing these products everywhere you go. Like you go on an airplane, they barely serve like real food. And it's like, it's not your fault. You have to really be intentional. And that's why I say the most important thing is to be committed to yourself. If you're committed to yourself, then you can make the change. And if you are committed, then you start preparing and doing all the things. But when you have the accountability, it's a lot easier. And yeah. even what's just back to the point with the hypnosis, like the hypnosis really helped me with like traveling. When I used to travel on planes, I used to get very anxious. I dealt with my anxiety with eating. And after the hypnosis, that completely went away. I could imagine I'm walking through an airport. I'm so calm. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And all we did was just rewire the way I thought about airports. And my experience in airports used to be about like celebration, eating potato chips. And I was just like, oh, calm, mm-hmm. relaxing. Yeah. I had a client who had so much anxiety in the plane. She would drink the whole flight. And then when she got off, she would use food to cope with being in this other state. And then it created the cyclical pattern. So when she was home, she was like really healthy and so forth. But then it was this sabotaging behavior and she used hypnosis as well. And it totally changed that experience for her. So I believe in it. It's so profound and it's so incredible that we have access to change these behaviors. And even if you don't can't get to a hypnosis person, just journaling, right? And making and tracking your patterns and becoming aware of, wow, what am I reaching for at the airport? Oh, what am I reaching for when I come home after work? What's happening on Sunday night when I have to go back to work the next morning? What's happening during my lunch breaks? These are all really profound questions. I know you talk to your clients about quite often, but it's really important that we're looking at every area of our life and where the triggers and the habits are coming from. So I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here. Do you have any last words or anything that we haven't jammed about that you want to share or offer to those listening? Just take baby steps. Just that like, you know, wherever you're at, know that there's one thing. It's not all or nothing. There's one thing that you can do today mm-hmm. that will make you better. You don't have to be all in or all out. You know, the day doesn't have to be a good day or a bad day. If you ate ice cream last night, you don't have to go to two hours of soul cycle today. 
just about go for a nice walk today, drink some more water today, pick up a book about health, and just start somewhere. Small changes really add up over a long period of time. And I think that's really important for us all to realize. Yeah, it's so profound. If people want to work with you, connect with you, read more about your story, DM you, get some advice, where should they reach out? That's a great question. Well, Instagram is a great place. Mr.Mortify or ReverseApproach.com is, um, is a platform that I'm starting to put some content together on. Okay. So ReverseApproach.com. ReverseApproach.com. So it's really easy. Just type it in. can connect with you there. I'm sure everyone's going to want to follow you on Instagram, learn more about your work and so forth. Oh, Thank you God. so much for being here. I love you so much. You know how much I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so proud of you that you're doing this and all the work that you're doing. You've been such an inspiration since we met three years ago in um, Mexico. I mean, Tulum, right? Tulum, we met like Tulum. under a palm tree. <laughs> yeah. And it's been profound just the way you live your life has been inspiring, just the authenticity and the way you show up for the people that you coach. I know I've recommended a few people to you and they all just sing your praise and love you. So just thank you for being there for me and my friends and the community. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that's another episode. Thank you so much. Love you, Sarah. Take care. Awesome. Wow, I am so, so grateful for the opportunity to share this time with you and to bring awareness to how dieting and body image perception not only impacts women, but men as well. It's so important that we're increasing this awareness about the age at which these issues start and how they shape the rest of our lives. If dieting has been your way of life since a very young age, if it's something that has been glorified or encouraged in your home, or if you're just struggling to find a different approach, take a moment to journal on what your life might look like, how it might feel. What would your experiences be if you let go of dieting for good? I encourage you to take this leap into self-love. I encourage you to explore this approach if it feels in alignment with you. If you need any self-love accountability, reach out to me directly. I am here for you. Thank you so much for committing to your health and well-being. Thank you for being here. And until next time, my loves, stay tuned for next week. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.